I don't wanna go to work. I just wanna chill and play all day. Look him dead in the face and say, I wish I could just be still asleep while you were. Welcome to the Jobs Blow Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Haas, and this is the podcast for dreamers with and without day jobs. As always, I'm so glad to be here sharing more inspiring stories as well as perspectives on surviving life and career before, during, and hopefully after a pandemic. This week's show is called Finding Your Voice with Ginny Saraswati, owner of Ginny Media. Welcome to the show, Ginny. Thank you, Brianna, for having me. A pleasure to join you on Jobs Blow. I was a little bit worried when I saw the title. I was like, what sort of podcast is this? But this just sounds awesome. So thank well, you. So that me. was kind of my intent when I came up with the name is I, you know, I don't know how much you've read about this podcast, but it really came from being laid off and being frustrated and connecting with Josh and just we wanted to be negative at first and just kind of blow the roof off of all the stuff that we've seen in the workplace and decided, you know what, that is like two shows. So let's be positive. Let's do like a show that inspires people. But at the same time, let's get attention with a a great name. So that's, that's how we landed on that name. Fantastic name. Fantastic name. Very apt and topical for most, I'm sure. (laughs) It is definitely. (laughs) So before we jump in, I usually like to pull an inspiring uh, quote based on what I know about my um, guest. So this one is London is satisfied. Paris is resigned, but New York is always hopeful. Always it believes that something good is about to come off and it must hurry to meet it. Do you know whose quote that is by any chance? No, I'd love to know who that is because it's so perfectly, perfectly written. It's Dorothy Parker. Oh, okay. Didn't pick Dorothy for that one, but she's a smart lady. And I picked it because just from what I've read about your story, I kind of feel like you may have experienced what I did when I came to New York City. It was that power of like just the energy pulling you to it. And honestly, and I've said this to someone recently, it's the one thing I I've ever been confident about is this city. Like I'd graduated. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I just knew I needed to do it here. Wow. Wow. A hundred percent. The, the pull and the, the lure of New York. It's, it's been interesting that you say this, Brianna, and we're having this conversation because I've Recently, over the last year, I've had a full circle moment with uh, my love and a connection to New York City. When I first came here in 2011, I think we stepped out. The first place was Times Square. I was coming to New York with a friend of mine I was hosting a radio show with. Stepped out into Times Square. I'm like, wow, this energy. Because that's the heart of New York, right? Times Square, the pulse. And, you know, in Melbourne, Australia, which is like, which was back then like, hardly a third of the population of New York. It was just a place where, you know, Batman, the guy dressed up as Batman was walking around at two o'clock at night, lifting people randomly to take photos. I'm like, what is this place? But you're so right. The energy of this city, um, the creativity, the uh, just the, I guess the way it invites you in to really embrace who you are. I know there's lots of people here. There's ambition, there's dreams, you know, the quote that you see at the airport, the city that never sleeps, but it's built on dreams. It's everything that they say about New York, Alicia Keys and JC's song just made sense to me in that moment. So I can totally relate to that. And you know, for me, moving here was always a dream. So when I got to move here and uh, live here, it was just, I'm still kind of pinching myself. Even when I go and see the skyline, I pinch myself 
Um, and, you know, a couple of years ago, because I moved to New York, I always wanted to move, but what kind of was a catalyst was I fell in love with a New Yorker. So when I moved over, I was like, oh, great. You know, I've got the love of my life, New York City. I've got the woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. But the relationship didn't work out. So I was kind of like, okay, where do I fit into New York? And over the last 12 months, I've done some soul searching around that. And I was like, you know, is New York really the place I want to be? And I recently came back from Europe and just sitting by the water um, at Queensborough Park. I'm like, this is exactly where I want to be and where I'm supposed to be. So a bit of a love story there to my <laughs> New York. <laughs> Wait, so where are you? What- I'm currently in New York. I was in R- Romania. I mean, um, Woodside, Queens. Oh, okay. I'm in Queens. Yeah. I'm in Long Island oh, City. Queens girl. There we go. Yes. <laughs> All right. All these commonalities between us. There we so, go. So, okay. So first let's take a step back because I introduced you as the owner of Ginny Media. Are there any other titles like podcaster, anything else you want to throw in there? Yeah, I've got, um, so podcaster is one. I'm also an entrepreneur. I own two other businesses as well on top of Ginny Media. I'm a co-founder in them. So, um, but Ginny Media really is my main gig is what I say. (laughs) Um, And I want to dive more into what that is exactly. But first, I'd love to hear about your journey. uh, What, you know, what brought you to New York um, and everything you know, before and after. So absolutely. So, uh, Brianna, I grew up as a shy child. I wasn't very talkative, uh, which people find hilarious now when they find out what I do for a living. Um, but I, I wasn't, I'd shy away from the spotlight. I'd shy away from the microphone. I, I was a quiet kid. Um, if you go to our website, there's a photo of me sitting, my mum's holding me and you could tell which one I am. Cause I am the kid that was definitely made off beat <laughs> in that photo. It just says who I am right there. Um, and I think, For me, growing up in a place like Australia, you know, I'm well aware that I was able to have access to education, access to resources that I wouldn't had I stayed in Sri Lanka, which is where I was born. So my mother moved us over when I was two with with, uh, my sister and my father. And, you know, I I grew up in Australia. A lot of my values were coloured by the Australian culture. And, you know, I was trying to find myself or find my voice in that time. And, you know, I stumbled across a radio station um, when I was uh, 20 years old called Joy 94.9. It was Australia's first and only LGBT station. And I thought, oh, wow, it's a place, a community where I could finally belong. And I remember one of our first radio classes, one guy was like, oh, you know, how cute is Matt Damon? Nobody like cringed or winced. It was just like natural. And I was like, oh, wow, I really feel like I'm belonging. So I started to really fully embrace who I was at joy and literally find my voice. Like I got behind the microphone, I hosted a number of shows and um, I ended up landing a morning show, which I got what we call breakfast over there, breakfast show for 10 years on and off. And from there, I was like, okay, this is awesome. I love meeting the people that I did. I loved hosting the shows that I did. And it's also really cool because when you're on radio, you get to learn how to talk to yourself. I know that sounds crazy, but when you're hosting a show by yourself, to be able to maintain that level of engagement of who you're speaking to and then, you know, able be able to really form a connection because it's really any kind of media that we have these days, it does form some level of connection, whether it be through information or an exchange of resources or anything like that. And, you know, after that, after um, I started hosting, hosting my morning show, as a consequence of being on radio, you became a podcaster, right? The stations would rip off interviews that you did and pop it on iTunes at the time. 
And then I became a podcaster consequence as a consequence of being on radio. And then when I started my own podcast, um, people started asking me, hey, can you show me what you do? Um, I'd love to learn podcasting because it was relatively new in Australia back in 2016 when I started my podcast. And is this and the Ginny show or was it a different one? This is the Ginny show. So when okay. I started the Ginny show, it was a, a personal kind of autobiographical story, autobiographical story of how I grew up uh, in Australia as a gay immigrant girl raised by a, a very Sri Lankan mother uh, who had hopes and dreams of me being a doctor, but sadly that did not happen. See, um, now, it's interesting <laughs> because when you opened the door, I yeah. really wanted to start asking questions like how was coming out for you yeah. in your family and yeah. in, you know, in even Australia and where you grew up? See, this is the thing with my family that I find is is so super uh, curious because my how my extended family found out was quite hilarious because my inner family knew. So my, my sister knew, my mother knew, certain cousins that I told personally or who I was close to knew. My mum's one of 10. So we have uh, seven of my aunts and uncles or a few of my aunts and uncles living in Australia with us. And then there's like 30 first cousins and some second cousins. So I'm not joking when I say I have 140 cousins. I'm sure there's actually more than that because when we're at a party and someone's like, we're cousins, I'm like, you know what? I believe you. I'm not even going to question if that is true or where the line goes. I believe you. Right. So um, I remember when, uh, so in Australia, when I hosted my morning radio show, I also did a TV segment on a TV show called Bent TV. And it was very clear. It was an LGBT TV show. It was Monday nights, 10 p.m., for some reason, my aunt and uncle happened to tune in at that time, right? They were just watching TV and they caught my segment. Now, I didn't say These anything. are people that don't know. They were not aware. They, they, they okay. were not aware. But for okay. some reason, they caught it. I didn't actually say anything that explicitly declared anything about my sexuality, but they kind of put two and two together. So my auntie rang one of my aunties, said, did you know Virginia's gay? Rang another auntie, did you know Virginia's gay? Went around my whole family tree, essentially. My sister gets a phone call like, did you know your sister's gay? And my sister's like, uh, yeah, what's going on here? And it ended up getting to my father and my father was like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going on here? Like, she's using my surname. What, what's going on here? So all of that went through. And I remember my sister saying to me, listen, you know, this is, this is out of the bag. Like, the cat's out of the bag now. Perhaps you should wind back on like being on TV, being on radio. I remember that moment. It's like someone asking you not to breathe. Like when you want to really do something for a living, when it's your passion, when it's your life and someone tells you don't do that anymore, I don't feel comfortable. It's like they're telling you no more air. And well, I remember- You made me, when because you told me the story about being young and shy yeah. and you finally found your voice and came out of it. And now people are telling you, well, now you need to be that shy, you know, keep your voice to yourself. Voice down. Yeah. You need to shrink yourself to make me comfortable. See, I never actually put it that way, Brianna, but that's actually very true. I didn't realize that's actually exactly what my sister was asking me to do at the time. She was asking me to, you know, tame down my voice, shrink myself, deplete myself for the comfort of others. That's, that's, that's amazing that you pointed that out. It's, it's very true. And I remember on the way to the studio where I had to film a segment for 10 bent tv i was just crying and crying i'm like i can't imagine not doing this and when i got there and i sat down we were ready to shoot i remember i was just joking around with the guests and the end of it she's like you know you're such a great host i'm so glad that you're doing this i hope you keep doing it and for me that was like a sign of 
okay, again, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And, um, and so, who supposed to be. Exactly. 100% who I'm supposed to be. So I think from there, like, it's a blessing that even though it came out in a way that I never thought it would, that it did. And a lot of my family members, like certain aunts and uncles have really embraced that side. They, they've been really good about it. Like when I go to Australia, when I was with my long-term partner, they're like, Oh, how's she doing? Um, she used to be on TV or she's on TV. So they were like, Oh, I watched a show. She's great. So they do show their support. And that, that means a lot to me. And in a way it shows me how, um, how far they've come in their own kind of, oh, this is it. And I remember when gay marriage was up for a vote in Australia, they all said to me, listen, we voted yes. And when the law passed, they rang me up going, congratulations. Like that, so that, that for me meant a lot that that happened. So as it should, because I have to say the thing that I struggle with so much is when people in this country say they vote um, essentially for their wallet. So, you know, you're, So essentially your right to marry is less important. Like I support your social, the social issues, but I'm going to vote what I think is in the best interest of my wallet. Sorry. Like that makes me crazy. It's like, how can you vote against all these rights that are, you know, potentially going to be taken away because you think you're going to get five more dollars in your wallet. And essentially it's been proven that you don't get more from that party, but I will digress because then it's political. But anyway, (laughs) I have to ask you, do you know the comedian Hannah Gatsby? I love Hannah Gatsby. Actually, (laughs) she was one of the the people we interviewed on our breakfast show. Well, that Uh, was going to be my question. If you had to interview her. I did. I have to tell you, her first special, I mean, both of them were, were really well done, but that first one, not knowing who she was going into it, I went through such a roller coaster of emotions watching mm-hmm. that. I, it was like the 4th of July, 2017 or 18. And I just, I was by myself and it was so incredible. I've like told everybody, I'm like, you have to watch this. You have this woman is incredible. She's amazing. And the fact is like, she's had a Gatsby. The first show she did at the comedy festival when we interviewed her was kiss me quick. I'm full of jubes, which is like, um, you know, uh, and she told me that she got that title. I think it was her mother or one of her family members said that that was a way that they would pretty much infer that someone was homosexual. It's like, Oh, he's a bit kiss me quick. He's full of jubes. And like, I was like, this is hilarious. So she, I mean, I'm so happy for her that she's, She's done so well. And, you know, the Netflix specials are amazing. Um, it's so, smart, you yeah, know, that's, I appreciate a comedian that can be so insightful and, and smart. I mean, yeah. the things that she opened my eyes to, especially in the art world, I didn't know. I just was like, you know, blown away. So anyway, yeah. this show's about you. So I don't know <laughs> we can talk about Hannah. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. <laughs> so back on track. So yeah. we're still in Australia you're doing your radio show and podcast. Yes, correct. Um, so I, I went to, uh, so I was going to New York every year because I had this love affair. So I was actually having a long distance relationship with New York, even <laughs> though I didn't know it. And then, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's a coincidence that I ended up falling in love with a New Yorker, but uh, it, it just, yeah. So I, I met her in 2015 and, 
you know, over time I was like, okay, this makes sense for me to move over. So I started planting the seed, seeing what my options were. And I, um, I was working a, a day job at the, the time. Uh, it was my last ever day job. Uh, it was for an airplane company. Um, one of the airplane manufacturers, I was building the 787 Dreamliner wings for them. And my side hustle was uh, editing podcasts and kind of looking at what I could do to actually for this founding. Anna, you I'm missing like- a beat here. Wait. <laughs> When did you develop the skills to build airplanes? I don't remember that. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I say that people like watch you build airplanes and (laughs) never flying again. So um, one of my my brother-in-law actually uh, started working for Boeing um, in Australia. And at the time I was kind of, I quit my corporate job because I absolutely hated it. Um, I was in commercial radio sales. I, I just did not like it. It was the last job that I had. I remember sleeping on my sister's couch And I'm like, I just got to quit. Like, this is just not a way to be. It was literally a job I'd wake up, go there, work all day, always be behind because I just did not like it. There'd be meetings for anybody who sneezed. And I'm like, why are we in this meeting? And I would come home, eat junk food, go to bed, rinse and repeat. Like there was literally no self-care in my routine. Would you say that's your job that blew? Because we used to ask. Oh, yeah. That was my job that absolutely blew. I remember like. It was just like, you know, when people say, oh, what's your nine to five? That was not nine to five. Like, Brianna, it was not nine to five. It was like seven to 9 p.m. at night. And I only got paid for nine to five. So that was like one of the things. And I think for me, I remember every day I was driving to work and I was always late, like by five, 10 minutes. I thought to myself, I hate the fact that I have to sit in traffic. What a waste of time. It's like, I hate the fact that we have a meeting at 8.30. That's literally about going through our to-do list. Like there were all these things that literally I was just saying out loud that I did not like about this job. And I think that was actually the foundation uh, for me to form the antidote of what I have my current company. Like we don't, none of us sit in traffic. We're all remote workers. Uh, We don't have meetings about our to-do list. That's why we have a project management system. Like there were, and, and, you know, our bosses don't micromanage. I personally don't like micromanaging. It actually stresses me out, if anything, to micromanage people. And that was completely the opposite of my experience at my corporate job. So yes, that was a job that blew. And I remember like, I just had to, I quit it a year in. I'm like, I'm done. This is too stressful. I don't want my life to suffer anymore. And I- I'm sorry, Jenny. Are these jobs before you got into radio or? They were kind of while I was in radio too. So I remember when I was doing my morning show, I was doing a day job as well. So I was doing two things at that time. So radio doesn't pay. (laughs) Radio doesn't pay. (laughs) And at that time, most of my work in radio was actually volunteer work Okay. um, because that station I was working for was a community radio station. So a lot of my time was, was volunteer work. So it didn't pay. um, So, you know, I needed a day job. So I'd get up at four 30 on the day I needed to do breakfast radio go do my morning show and then put on my suit and went to my corporate job afterwards. And when I quit that, it's interesting. I look at all the different jobs that I had in those 10 years. Radio was always constant because I loved it so much. Like you weren't paying me, but I'll be there at 4.30 a.m. for free. You know, I'll get coffee from somewhere and I'll I'll just do it. Um, And I remember when, when I quit, I was like, okay, what's my next step? So about for like three months, I didn't have a job. I was just living off my savings. And I remember... Um, I worked at a deli and I worked at a kid's trampoline park just to kind of keep things going, you know, and those were great jobs because 
unlike my corporate job, I could literally clock on and clock off, not take work home with me. And I was like, this is really cool. So my brother-in-law was like, oh, you know, Boeing are hiring. You should check it out. So I'm like, but I have no skills in, you know, this sort of stuff. He's like, no, they train you. Like they take you through a three-month intensive training. And, you know, if you make it, you, you're good. If you don't, you know, so be it. Um, but I actually, I applied, I got in and um, three months I took the training and, you know, I was there for almost five years before I, I moved to New York. So um, Boeing was great because again, could clock on, clock off and build my side hustle. Um, it was shift work too. Uh, I did night shift for the first two years, paid off all my college loans. Um, and then, you know, I went into afternoon shift and, and started building Ginny Media in the morning. So my side hustle did become my full-time thing, which I'm so grateful for. And Boeing actually ended up being one of the best jobs I've had because, you know, it was just clock on, clock off. We got to build something pretty meaningful. I mean, these are parts that fly in the air for God's sake. So it kept I'm me terrified now because <laughs> I, I already hate flying. And now I know that people are just taking three month courses and putting planes <laughs> together. Oh, shit. Uh, wait, I have a question. Sure. Um, so you said so while you were at Boeing, you were able to start your podcast and you were able to turn it into like monetize it. Absolutely. So I was able to start my podcast. The money I was getting from Boeing, I paid a producer to edit for me. Um, I also started putting up a website. Like it really did fund my passion. And I was also able to, um, you know, start looking at, okay, how can I turn this into a business? And I wasn't sure because I thought, okay, is it advertising? Is it sponsorship? So the Ginny Show got picked up by um, one of Australia's leading broadcast networks, Nova Entertainment. They ran a competition called PodQuest and I entered twice and I was a finalist and they signed me on to their uh, network, which was great because, you know, that's advertising revenue right there. But the really cool thing was, you know, as a consequence of hosting a podcast and being on radio, the big moneymaker for me was people coming to me saying, show me how to do a podcast. So I literally just did for them what I had been doing for myself, really. And a lot of my clients were starting to come out of the US. I'm like, oh, this is actually really cool because, you know, I've got New York, which is where I want to be. Um, girlfriend is there, which is where I want to be. And if clients are in the US, it just is a natural progression. So the tricky thing for me was to figure out, okay, how do I get a working visa there, which I ended up figuring out. So, um, you know, it was a progression. It took about a good two and a half years to figure out Rihanna, but got there eventually after lots of paperwork. <laughs> okay. So now we're in New York. Is this sure. okay? So we're in New York and you've started this business. So your company now, Ginny Media, yes. that's what you do. You help clients with their podcasts. Yes. We help, we produce for clients, fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, uh, small to medium businesses, you know, create podcasting content for their brand product services or thought leadership in that particular field that they're in. And, and so you launched in what year was this? 20 officially 2018. When oh, I signed okay. my LLC paperwork, Rihanna was 2018. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and, and your show, Ginny media, uh, the Ginny show, I know we were discussing before we started uh, recording that you are on a bit of a hiatus 
Correct. So the Ginny show took a bit of a break last year in June because, you know, it was just crazy times with the pandemic and everything. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to chill a little bit. I also felt I was phoning it in. Um, you know, when you feel like you're just producing something for the sake of it and when there's just no heart in it, we just stop. So I had every intention of bringing it back in May this year. But um, unfortunately, I received some sad news in March Um you know, here, I, I got a phone call from my sister in the last week of March. Um, my mum, who is, you know, such a big, um, so, she, you know, she, she raised me. She, she was a single mother. Um, my parents got divorced when I was four. She raised me when I got the call saying, look, it doesn't look good. Like the doctor said, she's at end stage. She had Alzheimer's quite young and, you know, she was at the end stage of her life. So my sister's like, pack your bags and, and come as quickly as you can. Australia has this 14-day quarantine law, so you have to quarantine in a hotel for 14 days before you are allowed out into the community. So I was hoping to, you know, not go through that, but laws are pretty tough there. So even though I applied for exemption, the government were like, no, you've got to quarantine. So going through those 14 days thinking, is mum going to be here tomorrow? Is she not? Was just... I, it was it was really a prison for me um, because I was like I don't I, I and it also taught me even though it was a prison for me it did also teach me an element of surrender because what really could I do like I can't get out of here but I can't see mum so what could I do it really was a lot of self healing a lot of self soothing I had to reach out to a lot of people during that time and you know I had a very dear friend of mine was you know really helping me through this moment too because I just didn't know what to do and thankfully when I did finish the 14 days mum was still around and I jumped on a flight straight to Melbourne which took an hour from Sydney and I got to spend 11 days with her before she passed I was there when she took her last breath too which is what she wanted she wanted me and my sister by her side and I just it was the first time in my business or even in my life where I literally could not show up, even though I love what I do, I couldn't show up as me. So I couldn't record a podcast. I couldn't run my company. It was just, I just needed time out. I just checked out for those two months. It was the first time I was like, nah, can't do this. So sometimes I think you've got to tend to your needs first before you jump into launching things that you love. It's really not the timing that we want. And death can be a painful and blissful reminder of impermanence, like what really is forever. Okay. So I have the opportunity to create this, but just not now. And, you know, the high achiever in me is like, but I want everything now. I want it produced by tomorrow, but it has to wait because there's other tender things that need my attention. Well, and your show is built on who you are. And if you're not in the right place, then you can't do your show. Right. And I know you mentioned previously that, um, your show, your mom was a big part of your show. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. A lot of season one of the Ginny show was certain things. My mother taught me, you know, she, she taught me things like be grateful for the things that you have and the things you don't have. Like we're taught, you know, gratitude diary. I have one. I write down things that I'm grateful for, but she also taught me be grateful for what you don't have too, because there's a reason for that. Um, you know, there's a reason you may not have what you so desperately want. There's a lesson in there that you need to get to first, or maybe having that thing may not be something that you will be grateful for because of what it will cause. So See, she really- now I look at my entire career. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't supposed to be on entertainment tonight. I wasn't, it's, it's I'm here for all the right reasons right now. 
to me. Yeah. So you exactly. Know, I exactly. Agree with mom. But it's it's true too. Like, because you think all the moments we have in life, all the people we meet, like things are teed up for this very moment. Like for me to meet Holly to actually have this conversation for me to come to New York, build a business, go through the grind, go through what I did, be ready to hire a PR company. Meet. Like all these things happen prior to us meeting. Right. So yeah. it just couldn't happen like that, but we're exactly where we're supposed to be. So those lessons are me, like my mom taught me was, is so valuable. And, you know, she was just such a, a great teacher of unconditional love and kindness. And, you know, with my, she was, as I mentioned before, she's one of 10. She was a lot of my um, cousin's favorite aunt because she was the best cook um, to the point where like we had siblings, my mom's siblings lived on the other side of the state. They'd be like, Oh, we're in the area. It's like, you're not in the area. You're here for food. But my mom didn't care. Like she would just prepare what you'd want. And um, the thing she taught me most, which I I've kind of taken with me is, her level of thoughtfulness, like when she's in a conversation with someone, she'll remember things about you. Like she'll remember what you like to eat or what you like to do. And the next time she sees you, she'll either prepare that food or bring that thing to you. And for me, that's gone a long way because that's a great element of connection. And also every human being, Oprah says this too, whether you're Beyonce or Obama or, you know, whoever you are, you want to be seen and heard. And that is a beautiful example of seeing and hearing someone. If you really listen, if you really care, like going, okay, that's what they like. That's what they prefer. They feel seen and heard in that moment. So she's, she, she comes up a lot in my work, which I'm very grateful for. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like you'll have any problem keeping her memory alive. Right. Thank you. And yeah. So how hard was it when you moved uh, away from her to come all the way here? It was hard. I, um, she was in, I mean, she wasn't in advanced dementia, but it was, she still recognized me. You know, every time I was on the phone, I could always see her face light up when I went to visit, like her face would light up when she'd see me. Um, Towards the end, um, she, every call I had my mom, she'd recognize my voice. She'd smile towards the end. She didn't react. And that for me, I'm like, like, what's going on? Normally she reacts. I get this big reaction, but I got nothing. And I was like, there's something wrong. And, you know, it wasn't long after that, that my sister gave me that phone call. But when I left, I remember like, I remember saying my goodbyes to my friends and everything before I left. And I remember saying to them, like, you know, I'll never forget you because everything that I have now is because of you. And I know in that moment, she, she felt what I said because she started tearing up. Okay. And no, I've never cried on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, she started tearing up and I, I was tearing up too. I'm like, you know, anything that I have is because of you. And, and she did hear me. And I think she, she, you know, it's unfortunate she didn't get to see some of my successes because I know she would be so happy that, you know, that I've built a team of 26 people that, you know, I'm thinking of opening up an office in Australia and all these sorts of things. I know she would be very proud, but it's this Ginny media exists because of her. Like if she didn't educate herself to get, get the visa to move to Australia, I wouldn't be educated to be able to have the opportunities that I do. So it's very much her legacy does live on, but it's, it, it has been very rough Brianna like this year to deal with my first biggest loss um, of someone so close to me and to kind of, I guess, heal from the finality of that relationship because there is a there is a sense that she's with me or her essence or her soul or whatever your spiritual belief is, but there is a, also a finality to that relationship as well that it's done. Um, so 
because we're going down this path, I just, do you have a good relationship with your sister? Yes, I do. Okay. I do. We do. And, we, and, um, and what about your dad? My dad, um, he, because my parents got divorced when I was four. He wasn't an active, um, I guess, an active contributor to my upbringing. But he, I mean, he's he's done his duty. He, he you know, he helped out with bills. He put us through school. Um, but it for me, because I grew up with my mom, she was my biggest influence out of the parents. But he he's a very dutiful kind of guy, my dad. Like he he came to my mother's funeral, like he paid for the he he does do his duty. Um, right. but my I'm not as close to him as I, I was to my mother. So it's it's a different relationship. But again, like we all go through our own healing, right? With our parents, those who show up for us, even those who don't show up for us. Even those who do, we've got healing there as well. So he's also been a great, great teacher for me of presence and how important that is. Well, that's nice. And I'm glad that you do have a relationship with your sister. I know from our earlier conversation when she told you to, you know, calm your voice, I didn't know if that <laughs> any sort of change. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she that's came nice. a long way after that. She's, she's come a long way. <laughs> well, and she was young, I'm sure. You know, you yeah. you, you you learn as you get older. And, and I yeah. And I think for her too, she, you know, a lot of her upbringing was influenced by the Sri Lankan culture where you really do care about what other people think of you. So I think that was, that was a big player in her, the way that she showed up for me at that time. <laughs> I think that's in a lot of cultures, but yeah. yes. Um, yeah. So what are your other businesses that you mentioned? So uh, another business that I run, I um, co-own uh, Metro Podcast Studio here in New York, which is a podcast recording studio. Um, so it's a place where podcasters like you and I can go in, you hire the studio out for a amount of hours, and you can record your podcast in audio and video. You get your file sent to you if you have your own producer, or we can edit it for you and you get your your podcast up on um, iTunes or whatever apps that you have. So that's one of the businesses that um, we've been running for the past two years. We're going into year three now. Um, where, we, where is it? It's in the Flatiron District. Um, it's off Broadway between West 23rd and West 24th. And what's it called? Uh, Metro Podcast Studio. Oh. Let me know if you want to record there. Um, oh, okay. I'll look after you. <laughs> now that you're a New Yorker too, um, Brianna. Uh, so that's one of them. The other program, um, the other business that I have is a digital course that I run with my business partner, Michelle Soro, called the Podcast Accelerator, which is essentially the only done for you podcast program on the planet. So unlike other digital courses that have a two to 5% completion rate, we have a 95% completion rate because it's a live training course. So we take you through step-by-step step how to launch your own podcast. And at the end of the program, Ginny Media, my company, actually produces a podcast for you. So we have one podcast out into the world for you. You can continue it yourself, hire your own producer. You can hire me. You can DIY it. But uh, that's the program that we have. And we've launched 101 podcasts into the world so far. Wow. That's incredible. Congratulations. It's pretty crazy. It's a crazy program. And I think only Michelle and I are that crazy enough to do it. <laughs> it's incredible. The number of podcasts that are out there though. I have yeah, to 2 million now. It's insane. It's a, it is insane. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I guess the one thing I still need to ask you and it's the worst HR question ever, but where do you see yourself in five years, Jenny? I see myself married 
maybe a kid. I know this this is probably a very not exciting answer, Brianna, but I think I see myself married. Maybe a kid, maybe not. We're not, I'm not sure about that. But married, I see myself probably in Europe at this time. Um, I will be probably uh, having a couple of meetings a day. There may be a new CEO of Ginny Media. I might still be the CEO of Ginny Media. Who knows? Um, but I see a lot of freedom, a lot of laughter, a lot of connection, a lot of food, um, just lots of energy and and happiness in my space with the people that I'm with. Um, that's colleagues, family, my wife's family. Um, yeah, that's what I see. It, I hope that's, that's probably a, a very cheesy and No, I answer. have two things to say to that. One <laughs> is that I think you have all the right tools given to you by your mother to be a great mother. So you you should definitely check that box. Um, And I'm interested to know if there's anywhere in Europe specifically you, you see yourself. Santorini. I see, I see ourselves on a boat. (laughs) Very specific is as wildly specific. I just see, I just, I I'm in love with sunsets. I got back from Berlin. I remember every morning I woke up, my hotel room just had full access to the sunrise and sunsets. And I, I thought, wow, isn't it beautiful to actually witness the day starting and ending? Um, so I, I Santorini's Bruno are like very famous for their, their sunsets and everything. So I do see us, I do see us on a boat cruising down the water and watching the sun go down. That's mm-hmm. a very vivid memory. <laughs> I get seasick. So you lost me on the boat but I'm <laughs> every, uh, uh, for everything else. All right. So one last thing, I always play a game with my guests and I always try to create the game based on what I know. So because of what I knew, the game is called New York State of Song. Oh, I love it. And you've already beat me to the punch with one of them, which was (laughs) Empire State of Mind is by who? Alicia Keys and Jay-Z. So, okay. So that one you already checked off the list, but I'll, um, I just have four others. The first one is New York, New York, and you can, there are multiple singers. So if you get one of them, I'll give it to you. Frank Sinatra. Yep. But did you know Liza Minnelli sang it first? Did she? I did not know that. Frank yeah. stole it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say he stole it, but she sang it in a, a movie and I, I can't remember the movie, but, um, yes. wow. Second one, Autumn in New York. Oh, the song. I don't know this one. Okay. It's an oldie. I had to throw a hard one in because let's be yeah. honest. Um, it was originally by Vernon Duke, but Billie Holiday had um, a really popular version. I'm going to actually Google that one because I love autumn slash fall in New York. I love that you said it's autumn. It's the best season. I mean, yeah. I do love holiday, but yeah. I love the lead up. Um, yeah. Okay. But I, I definitely recommend listening to it because I did. And I was just like, oh, this is me. <laughs> okay. New York Minute. Oh, there's been a few of this one, right? I don't know. I only know the one and he used to be in a band, a band with a name. It's a bird. It's a, the American bird. The Eagles. Yes. Um, D.A. Don Henley. Don't, no, I'm terrible at American. I, I mean, I'm a fake American visa right. holder. Well, you've gotten uh, half of them. So the last one is really easy. Welcome yeah. to New York. Oh, Taylor, Swifty. Yes. Love Swifty. Did you know the rumor was that Bloomberg, Bloomberg actually paid her for that song? <laughs> like, it, I wouldn't be surprised. What a yeah. great tourism incentive. I mean, it was on The Secret Life of Pets as well. Was it? I don't remember yes. that. Yeah. 
It oh, was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, you did well. You did well. Um, I was do New York state of mind, but it's been everywhere recently. Did you see the video? I love it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's beautiful. All right. Well, Jenny, thank you for coming on the Jobs Below podcast. Do you have a website, uh, social handles you want to share? Yeah. If you want to check out uh, our website, it's ginnymedia.com. We just got it rebranded. So would love to hear your thoughts. And there is a photo of me looking very offbeat on the site as well. And um, you can follow me at social at the Ginny show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places the cool kids hang out. And wait, tell me again, when will the Ginny show be back? November. November. Okay. So everyone look for that. (laughs) Um, We are on social at Jobs Glow Podcast. Our website is jobsglowpodcast.com. I'm Brie Haas One on Instagram. And that I think is the end of the show. Again, thank you so much for being here, Jenny. It was so nice getting to know you. Back at you, Brie. Thank you. Awesome. Glittering crowds and shimmering clouds in canyons of steel. They're making me feel I'm home. It's autumn.